All right, welcome back to the Green Mountain Sports Roundup. I am Ernesto Sanchez, and I'm here with John Downing and Marty Griffin, and we're here to give you a quick roundup of this week in sports. All right, boys, how are we doing today? Doing good. Fantastic. How about yourself? I'm doing pretty well. It was nice to uh, have the novelty of Tuesday Night Football. Uh, to enjoy a little midweek football action. Uh, I could do for a little more of that going forward, actually. It wasn't much of a game, but it was at least a Tuesday game. I like it better than Thursday night football, so we don't have Thursday night football tomorrow, this upcoming week, uh, for week six. And I'm okay with that, you know, because it forces you into, like as far as fantasy goes, it forces you into the decisions and stuff and, you know, before you have information on the rest of the games coming up on Sunday. So, but then again, I guess you get the tricky decisions. Like for the, the past week, you had, all right, do I play my Titans and Bills players? Or is the game going to go off? Because it was a COVID game, you didn't really know. But as far as like just having a game on Tuesday, yes, I preferred having a game to Tuesday over the Thursday games all the time. I mean, I like that. I like that format. Johnny, how are your leagues handling um, these COVID cancellations and rescheduling and everything? Uh, personally, in my league, anybody who's affected by a cancellation or a movement, the commissioner is actually, uh, she's pretty dedicated, is going to actually manually put in the points and the matchups and everything uh, after the fact. So we won't even know who's really, uh, what the standings are in, in, until everything's kind of all sorted out. So... It, so they put out a thing, uh, an email blast last week that, and there was a vote. So it had, and it had to be unanimous. It had to be all twelve members without any no's uh, to agree to it. And then you would have a substitution in which you would name on the chat board um, before the games start at, at sun, on Sunday at one o'clock. <clears throat> so, like, so say the so say you had Derrick Henry in last night's game play for the Titans, but you weren't sure on Sunday if if he was if that game was going to go forward. So I would say put uh, I don't know let let just just say uh, like Joe Mixon or somebody, and he would be my sub replacement if the Tuesday game and Derrick Henry didn't play. Right. So that's how my leagues are handling it. Yep. I didn't play this year because I thought it was going to be a shit show, so I held off. I, I'm surprised I did, but I did hold off. I'm in zero leagues, which is probably the first time in 15 years. Wow. Good for you, buddy. It is yeah. a shit show. It is. You're absolutely right. It is tough. When it came to like making decisions, like so I, I had Derrick Henry on the bench in one of my leagues, and then in the other league I had to start A.J. Brown. And then there's decisions like, so – yeah, oh, so Devin Singletary from the the Bills running back from last night's game. So in one league, my other option was freaking Deion Lewis. So it's like, you know, do Yummy. I get like two or three points from Deion Lewis? Or, you know, I mean, it turned out Devin Singletary only got like four points, so it didn't really matter. But it's just like some, sometimes you just don't have any good options. It is a shit show. But thankfully, I'm knock on wood, I'm doing pretty good so far this year. So Good for you. All right. Well, let's get right into our little intros here. Number 57 for our 57th episode. Uh, I'll start us off with 
David Perron. Uh, he is a Canadian professional ice hockey player, currently playing for the St. Louis Blues. Uh, one of those journeyman guys. This is actually his third stint with the Blues, and he was uh, a key part of the team that just won the Cup in 2019. Uh, he's been with the Edmonton Oilers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Anaheim Ducks, and the Vegas Golden Knights. He was a regular starter in the NHL by 20 years old, very talented, fast skill guy. Not too much to say about him other than, you know, he's a one-time All-Star actually uh, this year. And he uh, he did get the cup, but good guy, hard player to date. He has 850 games played, 223 goals, 327 assists. Short and sweet, my 57, David Perron. Sweet. Uh, I'm going to go with a Denver Bronco. I'm going with Tom Jackson. This younger generation probably knows him more on prime time with uh, Berman and himself and the football weekly coverage and the countdown. But he had a great career coming out of Louisville, was a fourth-round pick, 73, with the Denver Broncos. Um, I actually grew up watching a lot of Broncos at that time. My mom was a huge John Elway fan, big franchise uh, fan as well, loved, loved the Broncos. So I watched a lot of these games back in the day. The one I remember uh, was Super Bowl twenty-one against the Giants. Giants went, went ahead and took that Super Bowl victory. Johnny, any ideas? Super Bowl twenty-one, who the uh, opening act was singing the oh. anthem? No, I, 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 I mean, <laughs> Michael Jackson. I mean, no, no. <laughs> I'd want to cue this up to see it because I imagine it could not have sounded really that good. But that was Neil Diamond. Oh boy! For the anthem, I'm like no way. And the Beach Boys was the halftime show. Oh my We've god! We've come a long way. <laughs> yeah, that should have been a seventies. Yeah, exactly right. But he was a, a pro bowler. He's he's in the uh, Broncos ring uh, ring of fame. But like, I just love him as as Tom Jackson on primetime. That's where I remember him the most. Uh, just loved watching the countdown after the weekend. Uh, him and Berman. Berman's just a fucking drunk shit show now. He is not a healthy looking man. Uh, but that's my number fifty seven, Tom Jackson. Well, if you're a Patriots fan, you may remember Tom Jackson better for. After the Patriots cut Moyer Malloy after the preseason, before the 2003 season, Tom Jackson said on air, I'm just going to say it, they hate their coach. Well, Belichick, being the master manipulator that he is, used that to his team's advantage You know, for the entire duration of the season, and they went on to win right. the Super Bowl. And at the end of the year, uh, when Tom Jackson went to shake his hand, Belichick just completely blew him off. He, he's never Ooh. talked to him since. He's just, he hates him. So, I mean, obviously, you make a comment like that, Belichick's not going to be happy with you. <laughs> Don't upset Lord Belichick. They hate their coach. They hate their coach. <laughs> <laughs> Who you All got, right. Johnny? All right, I am going to go to the kind of wayback machine here, to the Dome Patrol in New Orleans. All right, so my number 57 for the week is Ricky Jackson. He was um, kind of a, the old linebacker mode where you had the, the big physical linebacker, the run-stuffing linebacker, and in the Devin, Sing or, or, um, geez, Devin Singletary, <laughs> Mike Singletary mode is what I mean. Anyway... So part of the Dome Patrol was four linebackers who played for the Saints in the 80s into the early 90s. It was Ricky Jackson, Bon Johnson, 
Pat Swilling, and fellow Hall of Famer Sam Mills. And they were a terrific <clears throat> group of linebackers. Probably never got the credit they deserved because they played in an era and in the same division with the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but Ricky Jackson was inducted into the Saints Hall of Fame in 1997. He ended up winning a Super Bowl ring with the, Niners in the, with the 49ers in 1995. And on February 7, 2010, Ricky Jackson was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame. Uh, like I said, he was a bigger linebacker at six foot two, 243 pounds. In 1981, he was a second-round pick, number 51 overall, out of the University of Pittsburgh. He played most of his career with the Saints from 1981 to 93. And like I said, he won a Super Bowl ring with the 49ers, playing there in 94 and 95. He was a six-time Pro Bowler, five-time second-team All-Pro, Saints Hall of Fame, Saints Ring of Honor, second-team All-American 1980, finished with 128 career sacks and 1,173 career tackles, eight interceptions, and 40 forced fumbles. Um, that's my number 57 for the week, Ricky Jackson. 57 uh, might be the number of runs that the Dodgers get tonight. <laughs> that's a perfect segue into uh, our next topic. <laughs> Major League Baseball, uh, since we last talked, the Yankees were sent packing. And, and the Dodgers advanced in convincing fashion. So here, where we stand in the series now are Tampa Bay leads the Astros 3 to nothing, And the Dodgers and Braves, uh, Atlanta leads 2 nothing, but looks like it's soon to be 2-1 as the Dodgers are up 15-1. to after a record-setting 11 runs in the first inning. John? Yeah, and so the Dodgers have momentum going. So the Dodgers almost came back last night. They were down 8-1 to one going into the ninth inning, and they scored six runs in the ninth inning, and they left a tying run at third base. So they, they got this momentum started last night, uh, losing 8-7, to seven, and they scored 11 runs in the first inning today. So you knew eventually that they would kind of get things going, I think. And the Braves only have a limited supply of good starting pitchers. Now, Kyle Wright, who pitched tonight, is better than he showed. But it just showed that the Braves don't have a lot of depth. And they have now concerns about who they're going to throw in game four and five. Meanwhile, on the flip side, the Dodgers got good news before game three tonight that Kershaw is in line to start game four tomorrow as he was scratched. Which they need. He was scratched before game two with a back injury. So if Kershaw can come in tomorrow and continue giving them good innings and give them momentum and tie the series up at two, then it should be a good series. But the Braves have shown better than I expected. The rookie pitcher, Ian Anderson, is fantastic, and Max, Fre Max Fried has just been fantastic as well. So, I mean, the Braves will continue to go for as long as those two guys can carry them. But usually you don't see young pitchers doing this much damage this far into the playoffs. So I have a feeling that – you know, once the Dodgers see them multiple times or a second time, that things will be different. So I do kind of wish that I placed a wager for the Dodgers to come back and win the series when they were down zero to two because they were gonna they would be really good odds. Uh, but they still have good odds being down two to one. So maybe I'll take another look at that. Uh, so yes, I do think that the Dodgers will come back and and win the series as long as Kershaw comes back tomorrow. Well, Kershaw was key. Betts, Betts getting off was key in the first two games because he wasn't getting out, getting off as well. So he's off with uh, you know in flying colors tonight. 
Muncie has four of the RBIs right now. He's killing it right now in this game. He had a grand like slam. See, yeah, you like to see him in the middle of that lineup uh, start catching fire as well. You know you're going to get you know you're going to get your work out of Bellinger and the other players, but some of these guys, Bats and Muncie, need to step step up to, for them to win. And like you said, getting Kershaw back was was the biggest piece. And in the other series, somewhat of a surprise, looks like the Astros are getting their just desserts here. Well, Tampa Bay's best MVP so far is Altuve. Exactly. So Altuve's made four throwing errors in the, in the playoffs so far, three in the series, and the last two in the last two one in each of the last two games have been extremely cost, costly. In game two, there was a home run hit after the Altuve error, and then last night there was a big hit after his error, and he's got the he's got a case of the yips. I don't know if you guys remember Chuck Knobloch for the Yankees in 1999, but he couldn't throw from second base to first base, and that's kind of what Altuve has going on right it, now. Is it's he, always the second baseman too, which is weird. It's, it's always second baseman history. Yeah, but it's in the you history think about of infielders. It. You have too much time to think about it, and for yeah. him, I think he has a guilty conscience, and he knows that they've gotten further than they should have, and they had a losing record this year, and now the pressure's on, and now that there's actually fans in the stands, albeit not a lot of them, but there is. And the pressure's amping up. I think that his guilt is maybe creeping in, and maybe that's in the back of his mind. I have no answer to that. I don't know if any of those guys feel guilty for what they did. They should, man. I mean, I know that they didn't show it, but they should. And they skated this year. They totally skated because they didn't have to deal with 162 games of angry fans. Uh, they they, They only had to deal with 60 games, stadiums with no fans, and... You know, once they were what got into the tip with the Dodgers early in the year, the commissioner kind of put the the kibosh as far as hitting the Astros players. So they didn't get nearly the amount of justice that they should have had to deal with. So they oh, skated. I, I I agree to that, but seeing how brash and just fucking pompous they were against the Athletics in that series just made me feel like none of them learned their lesson whatsoever. No, I totally agree. So it is nice to see them losing for sure. But if it is a raise in Braves World Series, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it because I definitely don't want the Astros to make the World Series. But there was a part of me that maybe wanted the Yankees to make the World Series. So for me, I'm coming at it as a from the perspective of a, a Red Sox fan. And I want the Red Sox to do well again. And I know I didn't root for them this year, but... Going down the road, years years going forward, I, I'm sure the Red Sox have been a part of me my entire life, so I want what's best for them. So it, the Red Sox have former Rays GM Heim Bloom as their current GM. So if a team that doesn't spend any money and takes the small ball approach and you know the opening pitcher approach and the, the cheap approach – is successful and wins the World Series, I could see the Red Sox being cheap and taking the same approach. Whereas if the Yankees had beaten the Rays and advanced to the World Series and even won the World Series, it would show that money does win world championships. And I think that there is a, a I think that money does play a role in winning championships. And I don't want the Red Sox to forget that. And you know, if the Yankees had won the World Series, that always puts pressure on the Red Sox to do something and to come back and win a World Series. So I, I'm just looking at it from a Red Sox perspective and what I what I want them to do. And I think that the Yankees beating the Rays may have been better for the Red Sox, even though the Rays team is kind of Heim Bloom's team. So 
little bit of a conundrum there, if you see what I'm saying, because it is, you know, as you do want the Yankees to lose. So do you guys understand where I'm coming from there? No, I, I, I get that. I just, you know, as a Red Sox fan, I never want to see the Yankees advance. I like to I get see that. The, I, I like to see the big budget fall into to a way, like when the Brewers were getting in, uh, some of the smaller market teams when they make it. I do want to see the Dodgers and Astros just so the Dodgers can beat them up and put that to rest. I think the league would move on and fans would move on. It's kind of like sweet justice in a way for that to happen. But, man, it, talk about with not having fans at the game and relying on ratings to make you a little bit of money. If this, this ends up Braves in Tampa Bay, I mean, that's just going to be gross. Yeah, who's watching that? I, I agree. I think that that will be a tough watch. Yeah. So fitting in a way of how baseball's handled all this and where we're at in 2020 and, and COVID times, it ends up those two. Um, but talk about money again failing. I think if Dodgers lose this series, it, it says a lot about the league, and it, it really is just going to be kind of a, a, a laughing situation about this, about this club and not making it there, especially if you had to go through the Braves to get there. Yeah, this, is, this should be the Dodgers' year. I still think they come back and win. I'll back whatever you bet on that series. Let me know. All right, I'll take a look <laughs> at it tomorrow. <laughs> Let's move into another championship that was just won. I don't think there's ever been a championship awarded that has been less cared about by less people. Uh, I don't know anybody who's watching uh, basketball right now giving a single fuck about what happened uh, this past week. The Lakers tie the Celtics all-time for most NBA championships. Asterisk. Uh, <laughs> Asterisk. I think that's good. Uh, guys, I think that that is a good thing for the Celtics because that should push Danny Ainge to to do more and to do what it takes, you know, to stop holding on to all these draft picks and these guys that are playing in Maine with the Red Claws. Like, it's time to start turning those – assets into something it's, it's time to push them and if the lakers tying them for championships doesn't do it then i don't know what will because right. that's your arch rival and there's no one you like it's like the yankees winning that pushes the red sox if the lakers win that pushes the celtics so i kind of wanted the lakers to win and i'm not sure if you guys watched the game friday night but the game friday night game five was phenomenal like that game had it all the back and forth yeah. between Jimmy Butler and LeBron James, and it just and the thing is about the game is they weren't just doing the new the new way. It wasn't just three and D Chuck from three all no, night long and, and get fouls. No, it was good taking it to the rim each time. Both of them back and forth taking it to the rim and one getting fouled, and it was just unbelievable to watch and the beating that they took and the passion that they showed and the heat ended up pulling out pulling out the, the game five and extending the series to game six and making me think that they may have had a chance but then game six came on sunday and lebron and well, Anthony davis just put the the smack down he didn't have anything heat. left in the tank they ran with only eight players in game five they yeah Jimmy butler with 47 minutes could, could barely get up from the podium after the game and yep. walk back to the locker room. So I kind of knew right there. I think that was we got to give it our all and get this win, but it's also like a safe face, get at least one more win, win in the series. But they had nothing left in game six. And that, yeah. I actually turned it that showed. off like in the third quarter because I didn't want to see 
see uh, the Lakers celebrate. The uh, only person I'm happy for on the Lakers is Rondo. I think uh, I, I love see I love him as a player. I'm a fan of his as a player, so that's the only thing I can be happy about. And I guess in some ways, Anthony Davis getting one in his career, I just hate it. It's how about how about we're not giving LeBron James enough respect? You know, he said that we don't, we're not giving him enough respect. It's time to respect him. He yeah, said that after the game. Uh, for- That's just the only thing with him that I fucking hate. I know that it's some of it's not as far being compared to Kobe, being compared to Michael Jordan. It's all talking about errors that you played in, and Michael's always going to be the GOAT because it's more physical. Well, that's kind of slide that, that slights LeBron in a way because he can't do anything about that. But, you know, for a player to demand it, it just hey, no. it just, comes, it's it just so fucking it's, it's such so a turn cheap. Off. It's cheap. Yeah. It's so fucking cheap. It's so and cheap. It's so 2020 too. Like it's so LeBron. I, it's yeah. time that I get my respect. Like you're LeBron James. <laughs> like let, let, yeah. Come on. Let's wait. Let's wait for his TikTok campaign, and we'll, and we'll have to fucking follow he's the him one, more. He's the one who invented this new NBA league model, where you know their teams players join up to build super teams. He yeah. started this new model, going to the Miami Heat and building his team, and then going back to Cleveland when they had the number one pick and Kyrie Irving, and and now going to the Lakers and get bringing Anthony Davis. Like so, but I, I well, I hate that he said that. It is such a complete turnoff that he said, "I need my damn respect." I do respect the way that he played. I think I think that he was that Friday night game was just phenomenal to watch him play, and it's just like, oh my god, you know, this is not something that we see all the time. This isn't. There are sometimes you watch LeBron James play, and you really need to appreciate what he's doing on the court. And I think that that gets lost in the in some of the people's hatred for him, and because of the way that he talks. And it's unfortunate. It shouldn't be that way. His game should speak for itself because it's a really good game. And it's a game that, you know, I think a lot of us maybe haven't seen or won't see again for a long time. And it's good that he plays that way because it's good for the young Celtics to see that that's how when you want to advance to the finals and win the finals, you need to play a certain way. And it's not just bombs away from three point line. Right. And who can pretend that they got fouled and flopped the best. It's not. That doesn't win you championships. It's being aggressive, going to the hoop, and giving – that is what it's going to It's going to take to win it all. So it's good to – I get that. He's good talented. good to see that that's still in the league. He's talented, and I get that. He's he's probably easily top five as far as best players to ever touch, you know, a basketball and be on the court. I get that. I mean, for me, and he talks like he's just – not treated up to par in his mind, but like he is the Michael Jordan of this era. He can do yeah. anything he wants in this league. He can, you know, go where, you know, sign with anybody, move around. He's got all the endorsements, the contracts. He is going to be a mega millionaire for the rest of his life and do great things. He's got a studio now in California, like right across from the Staples Center. Like he's building his brand and his fortune. It's just like, I think that's where I get pissed off is like, what else do you want? After retirement and the talk, let that come to you. But, like, just don't demand it right now. Like, you're doing everything you're supposed to do on and off the court. I think he is a great human being. He's done a lot for his community back in Cleveland. I think he's an advocate for his people. Like, all that's there. But why do you have to be such a bitch when it comes to this whole fucking goat discussion? Because he's LeBron James. All right. Well, speaking of which, let's move this discussion along to our favorite segment of the week. Johnny. Who's your fraud? 
Okay, uh, this week's edition of Fraud of the Week had a couple contenders, but... As it always does. As it always does, you know, it, it always, it has to. And I think you would have been happy if I had gone with the last night's fraud, which was the Titans, who are playing the role of victim. <laughs> <laughs> Even though they've screwed over a number of teams in the NFL, including your own, the Steelers, by costing them their bye week and costing eight teams to change their schedule. But yet somehow they're the victims in this whole COVID thing, even though they were the team that are breaking the protocols. But it's not the Titans. It's going to be the Yankees. The Yankees are this this week's fraud of the week because reason being is that we've known that the Yankees have been playoff contenders year in, year out, adding uh, Giancarlo Stanton, having Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, Glaber Torres, Aroldis Chapman, Zach Britton. The list goes on and on and on. And they've always been very close, making championship series, division series, losing a heartbreaker last year to the Astros when Altuve walked off Aroldis Chapman to get the Astros over the hump to the World Series. But this past offseason, the Yankees went above and beyond, and they gave $350 million to a starting pitcher, being Garrett Cole, who yeah, is – yeah, you do know that guy, <laughs> former Pirates fan. But that's a contract we've never seen for a starting pitcher before. And the Yankees went above and beyond because Garrett Cole proved to be that guy, that dude, that ace that is going to get your team, especially if you're close, That he's going to be that guy that's going to get your team over the top. And to see the Yankees go in with the loaded lineup and they didn't have – the, the year that they wanted to. The Rays ended up winning the AL East division. And the Yankees, of course, make the playoffs, win their first round. And they were down two games to one to the Rays in the division series, come back to tie it. And it looked like they were going to win game five, but <clears throat> or at least it was, it, was a, it was a nail biter. It was a good game. And then Mike Brousseau, of all people, this random dude who Chapman buzzed earlier in the regular season, Hits a, it hits the game-winning home run late in the game to knock the Yankees out. And like I said, as a Red Sox fan, it is always nice to see the Yankees get bounced and not add to their World Series championship total, especially when they spent $350 million on an ace pitcher, and that didn't do the trick either. So what's next, Yankees? How much more money are you going to throw at somebody to try to get over the hump? That's it. That's my fraud of the week. Yankees. <laughs> Excellent. I, lo I love how the point you made directly contradicts the point you made earlier in the podcast. So. <laughs> well, it's, but you got to okay, understand. True. It's a, it's you got to understand uh, where I'm like coming it. from. It, the Yankees winning pushes the Red Sox. But <laughs> as a Red Sox it's, fan, nice to see the Yankees lose. It's anybody or any team that puts Johnny in a conundrum like that, it's going to yeah. be your fraud of the week. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, you know, one of these weeks when, when I'm a little dry on the fraud of the week, I'll be the fraud of the week. So that's coming. <laughs> that's coming. <laughs> good times. Good times. All right. So let's get into the week that was, week five. And I was doing the contested picks for you, Marty. And some of yeah. these, uh, John was both the odds maker and the the picker here. So... Uh, we have some funny lines on uh, what we decided <laughs> the competition, but all right, all right, all right. 
<laughs> so a little bit of breaking news before you get into this. Just got a little alert here. So as we know, if you've been following the NFL last night during the game, your ex-boy, Le'Veon Bell, former running back for the Steelers, now ex-Jets running back, he was released by the Jets yesterday. Mm -hmm. They tried to trade him first before releasing him. They, they wanted to see if they could get anything. Well, apparently the Patriots talked the Le'Veon Bell trade with the Jets. The Patriots reportedly had trade talks about Le'Veon Bell before he was released. Oh, and that's a, a little bit of a surprise to me because I don't – I know that, that Bill Belichick has always – liked Le'Veon Bell and respected him because he you know he always has lots of good things or had lots of good things to say about him before games and how, how he appreciated the way he plays and his style however he doesn't really fit the Patriots one cut rush to the whole system do you know what I'm saying the Patriots have running backs that and he Belichick likes to have his running backs make one cut get to the hole and go he doesn't like though they haven't usually like to have a running back that kind of dances around the line of scrimmage and searches for the hole and then goes because that's a recipe to lose yardage. And Belichick always likes to be gaining yardage, whether it's two, three, four yards. He doesn't like to, you know, get five, 10, 20 yards, and then zero minus one, zero. So he likes the steady moving forward type running back. So that is a surprise to me. I'll, well, I wonder if it means that the Patriots are going to be in on Le'Veon Bell. Apparently, it looks that way. I don't know how I feel about that. I think with Cam Newton, like though, like if you had you used him in that way as just like a dive back and play to play action off of him, where he's drawing that much attention off the first option being the running back and get him outside the pocket, meaning Cam Newton, where he can either rush or just dump it in the flat. I mean, I think that could be something the Patriots could utilize. But my other rumor that I've been watching all day long, I didn't have to work today, um, the buzz is even possibly going back to Pittsburgh. Nope. Um, I don't think that don't, would happen. A lot of people around the league think that they may, if, if it was there and the opportunity was there that they might make a play on him. I don't know. I don't see Tomlin going back to that. I was just going to say Tomlin's pretty all set on Le'Veon Here's Bell. the thing, guys, is that Le'Veon Bell hasn't been good since 2017. So we're talking a running back that hasn't been good for at least three years. That's okay? awesome. You, you can live for a long time on your past, but how long does that really stick? I think, yeah. I think that ever since he sat out that year, he hasn't been the same. And is, it, is there a problem with Adam Gase and the Jets system? Absolutely, one hundred fucking percent. That guy is a problem in the NFL. Tanner Hill, he, Tanner Hill proves he, that too. He will ruin you. He will ruin you, no matter how good you are. Yeah. But when you haven't been good in years, I just I wonder how good you can be. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Maybe Cam Newton was washed up and now he's not. Maybe Le'Veon Bell was washed up and maybe now he's not. And maybe they helped the Patriots. I don't know, but that remains to be seen. I just I have my doubts. Well, we did name two coaches that I think would be strong enough to hold him accountable. That is Belichick. That is somebody like Tomlin. He can't go to just some bullshit team where a coach is not going to hold him or make him toe the line. And, you know, we talk about Gase and just how he definitely – his touches and production went down. I think both sides own that, but we know Gase just destroys people like Johnny said. Gase – Tannehill was under Gase in Miami – and now with the Titans in the last couple of years, it looks like Tannehill is finding a way to be an effective quarterback in the league. So I definitely think Gase is a fucking joke when it comes to a head coach. 
I love the way you pronounce everyone's name, Marty. <laughs> Just like added R here and there, like Minshaw, Tanner Hill. Tanner Hill. Tanner Hill. Tanner Hill. Like a hill you tan on. All right. Well, uh, <laughs> let's get into week five. Our Thursday night game. Tom Brady continues his losing streak against the Wonderkind, Nick Foles, and the Chicago Bears remain top dogs, 20 to 19. Big Dick Nick pulling it out again. Uh, what down is it? Oh. Four championships for LeBron James. <laughs> <laughs> Khalil Mack was a wrecking house during that game. Uh, he was definitely fun to watch. You the know, Buccaneers yeah. are a problem, dude. Like, come on. Like, as if Tom team. Brady, it, it is my team, but Tom Brady is my guy, and it is just sad to continue to watch him play for that disgrace of an organization that makes dumb penalty after dumb penalty after stupid thing over and over and over again. Like the headbutts and the they are just yeah. constantly committing penalties and dumb mistakes that are such drive killers. They'll make a good play and then the center headbutts somebody on the defensive line. Or Mike Evans gets in a fight downfield. It's just the, the stupidity of that team. <laughs> you just can't take the Buccaneer out of the Buccaneers. You can't remove it. No matter how good Tom Brady is, you can't. And yes, did he, he make a mistake? He was losing his mind. He was, but he did he make a mistake at the end of the game, not realizing the downs? A hundred percent. But that's Buccaneer infecting my guy Brady. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of infections, the. Atlanta That's Falcons a... continue to be a festering boil of a football team uh, and lose to the Panthers 23-16. to 16. Tell the truth Tuesday. Dan Quinn is gone. Let's tell the truth. Yeah. Your coach is now fired. If you don't know, Dan Quinn's thing every week was tell the truth Tuesday. And that's to, <laughs> to tell the truth, he was a terrible coach. So it was about time. So they, are they, back, are they uh, in the Jaguar hunt for the Clemson quarterback kid? They're going to just tank it this year, move along from Matt Ryan? I think that Matt Ryan is is showing signs of decline, absolutely. Yeah. But I don't see the Falcons being bad enough. I just don't. I mean, we've seen these games where they've had leads, and eventually right. maybe they'll, they'll hold a game. I just think that there are some other teams in the NFL that are, that are worse and will we'll get there and – the next step, I think, is will Julio Jones be traded? I, I, that's a possibility, right? And the other thing that I was sad to see is GM Thomas Dimitrov got fired as well. I actually met him. He used to work for the Patriots years ago. And he was a super nice person. So it is a shame to see that. Hopefully he finds his way back to a GM job. And if not that, maybe he finds his way back to the Patriots at some point. Because he, yeah. he was just a really nice guy when he didn't have to be. So, I don't want to overlook another great performance by Bridgewater, too. He played well that game as well. 313 yards, two TDs, mistake-free football. Yeah, and how about my man Mike Davis? Yeah. So Mike something Davis, if you don't know the Mike Davis story, he was, a high, he was a top prospect coming out of South Carolina years ago, and he had a really, really ugly, bad leg injury. And he's bounced around in the, in the NFL now from team to team to team just on to the end of a roster. And now he's finally got his opportunity as the direct backup to Christian McCaffrey. And he, I'll tell you, he's like 95%. I think his nickname is 99% C-Mac. That's his nickname. <laughs> Jesus. 
Awesome. Uh, next up, we got a hot divisional game, a bit of a dud. Joe Burrow uh, headed into Baltimore <sighs> and just got pounded, losing. We call this the education. Yeah, this was not pretty. Yeah, put his, put his life a little bit more in perspective of being a Cincinnati Bengal going in and playing this team and pretty much being held to nothing. Um, I guess one bright spot, Johnny, is like he didn't turn the ball over. There's really wasn't anything he really forced. He tried to play with what was, what he was given. And a kid like that, I can see, easily would want to just start firing away and taking a lot of chances. So he's already showing poise even as a rookie, even in these tough situations. I think he's the real deal for sure. Yeah, and Lamar Jackson and the Ravens clearly had a game plan of pass, pass, pass in this game. They wanted to get the most out of Lamar as far as passing the ball. And so, you know, it wasn't the typical Lamar Jackson game where, you know, he had a lot of rushing stats and throwing and throwing stats. It was just yeah. mostly, mostly throwing in this game because that was the game plan going in. But clearly it just it showed that the Bengals do still have a ways to go. And while they are on the upswing – they're not there yet, and they're not there yet in the division. And it, it's good to get that every once in a while if you're Joe Burrow, to just to know that it's not that easy in the NFL. You're going to have to keep working for it, and you're gonna. he knows the level it, what the level is that he needs to reach as far as being tops in the division. Although, yeah. act, actually, maybe that's not even it, because right now the Steelers are tops in the division, so he still hasn't played them yet. Yeah, they talked about in the post game uh, that they were basically trying to get a little bit of the timing situation down with the uh, younger run, uh, running wide receiver, excuse me, uh, with Jackson on the field because they had a little bit of a rough go of it so far early in the mm. season. So they really wanted to push the throwing game and see if they can get some of those timing routes down and really see if he can figure out a couple of those kinks that's going on as far as his passing game. He's always going to be that run threat. Like you said, he didn't see that this game. But you could definitely t tell they treated this almost like a practice squad game and really use it to tune up offensively. Okay, then the last question I have about this game is, how many days does A.J. Green have left as a Cincinnati Bengal? Little to none in my mind. Uh, he, he is he bagging is not out. Trying. He is not trying. That, that's the problem. And so they said that, his ankle injury that ankle ankle injury that shut him down for the 2019 season early was not just an ankle injury. It's coming out now that it was also kind of a team thing where they they thought that he wasn't giving it his all last year. So, but then they recommitted it to him in the off season, and so far they've gotten a big bag of nothing out of AJ Green, and now he's not even trying all the time. Is any and team going to want that, though? I know. That's the problem, is he's putting out bad tape. and Maybe he's just done. Maybe he's just done. Lost his love for the game. A sad, a sad way to go for a guy that came into the league with Julio Jones. And for my money, it was him and, him and Julio were 1A and 1B, and mm -hmm. they, were, they were both right there, and they were both going to have great careers and be Hall of Famers. Now, just if, if A.J. Green's career is over or close to over – I don't think A.J. Green's going to make the Hall of Fame. Well, obviously, Julio Jones definitely is a slam dunk to make right. So it's kind of crazy to see the steep decline of A.J. Green. But maybe he maybe he resurfaces with another team and bounces back, but that remains Some, to be seen. Somebody will, yeah, somebody will take a chance on him, but just wonder, like you said, is he done? Does he even want a chance? Next up, we have the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Houston Texans. 
falling 14 to 30. Well, at least the Texans got it in the win column, but a little bit of a slow start in this game as far as the Texans go, but they eventually got all the kinks worked out and you know, Brandon Cooks had a big breakout game, you know, for the first time in a long time for him. Fuller had a good game. David Johnson had his most rushing yards. Watson eventually got it got it going. And this was the first game without Coach Bill O'Brien. And I think I, I think that can only be good for this team going forward. O'Brien had to go. Deshaun Absolutely. Watson, Deshaun Watson had a great game. Johnson showed that he can play this week. He, he can go on a dry spell for the next three weeks. That's the way David Johnson works. Um but you know, what do you? I mean, Minshew. I mean, what do you, what do you see him next year? I mean, if they do get what's his face from Clemson, I mean, this even though the Jaguars are losing, I've seen a lot of great play out of this guy. Yeah, Minshew is what tenth tenth in the NFL is in passer rating so yeah, far. Yeah, ninth or tenth, I thought. Which isn't bad, and he's got some decent weapons with Shark. DJ Shark was he's really good. He wasn't last really good last week, uh, but Lavishka Chenault, I really I love that guy. He's such a competitor, and that rookie running back James Robinson. They've got some nice pieces offensively, and if only they had their defense from two or three or four years ago, they they'd be in good shape. But right, they just they, they've got so many issues. I don't I don't know. I I think if. If you have the number one pick and you can get Trevor Lawrence, I think you take him. I don't, I don't. I think the only thing that would make me say no is if I was the Chiefs and I had Patrick Mahomes. If I was any other team, I would say I'm taking. I'm taking Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, unless somebody trades up and giving you a hell of a bigger package to get something out of that, and you ride with them and just go with them again next season. Have to be a hell of a package. Right. All right. Next up, we have the Kyler Murray redemption game. Beating up on the Jets, kind of like pistol whipping a blind kid, thirty to ten. <laughs> it's exactly what it is. It is just not fair, right? <laughs> it's not fair. Yeah. So, I mean, what is there much to say in this game? I, I mean, do we even cover Jets games? No, we really shouldn't. I just love the fact that Flacco is just dying in Jersey, and nobody's watching, and nobody cares. <laughs> no, nobody it's cares. Freaking Jets. <laughs> One piece of news that's really that's bad for the Cardinals is Chandler Jones apparently is out for the season with an injury. Yep. So that's a huge blow for their defensive line as far as getting pressure on the quarterback. So MetLife Field claims another one. I know it's crazy. That field needs to be shut down. Shut down. That that there's problems, man. Like <laughs> every week there's a big injury on that field. All right, well, speaking of shutting it down, the Raiders went into Arrowhead Stadium and whoop got whoop. it done, winning 40-32, to 32, upsetting the defending champs and, uh, and spoiling their bid for a perfect season. Yeah, I've got no words for this one. I, I was obviously way off on this because I had the Chiefs rolling in this game because I didn't think that the Raiders were – that good i thought they were too aggressive defensively and they didn't have enough offensively but the offensive line was better in this game jacobs had a couple touchdowns Carr went downfield i think that even gruden said after the game he was paying attention to pro football focus stats and he was being told to get the ball downfield and they, they got henry ruggs the rookie out of receiver out of alabama back and they they stretched it big time with David Carr. To him, he had over 100 yards on only two catches. 
So he said, now that I know that we can push it downfield, we're going to push it downfield. So that can only mean good things for the Raiders and their offense because if they can pop the, the top off a of defense and get the ball downfield to a Ruggs, and then they have the intermediate with Darren Waller, and then they can, if their offensive line is good enough, they can run the ball with Jacobs, and if Carr can be accurate, then it's, it's there's some promising things in the in the Raiders organization. But I didn't think that they were very close. Maybe it was just a blip on the radar. I don't know. Uh, maybe the Chiefs just had a bad day. But good for the Raiders. Raiders' run defense was great. They held them uh, collectively. Uh, the Chiefs under 100 yards rushing. Uh, Hilaire only had 40 yards. Mahomes, 21. CEH a bust? No, I don't think he's a bust. No way. Uh, How can you say what? Where's that come from? He has not right. been good. He has not been good at all this year. For all the hype, he came at, coming out of LSU. Talking about Clyde Edwards Hilaire, the running back. Yeah, yeah we know who you're talking, talking about. <laughs> he has not well, been good. First, his first couple of games were, in my mind, really good. And then a couple of games where he was held in check, he had 40 yards. Ten, he only went, you know, 10 touches right there for 40 yards. I don't know he what he did on the background. Inside the inside the five yard line five times without a well, touchdown. I don't think that's well, I don't think that's where he lives. And I don't think And if you have Patrick Mahomes as, as your quarterback, if you have Patrick Mahomes as a quarterback, that should be opening things up for you. I, I mean, know. look at that Daryl Williams had last year. Who? Yeah, Daryl Williams had last year. So CEH needs to step it up. Otherwise, but I, De DeAndre Washington's gonna start sniping some snaps. I see how Lair is more like a Sproles type back. He's at an X back in a lot of ways. He hides behind the line. He's a smaller back. I don't see him them utilizing him as that penetrating, getting you know, goal line, getting to the the end zone like type of running back to get collect a lot of touchdowns from there. I think that goes to Hill and Williams at that point. But I, I, you know, I think he still. I mean, he collectively still had 80 yards a game between receiving and rushing. He's doing enough. I know. I just think that they expected more. I, I know they expected more. I and mean, he's only has 300 yards on the season, averaging 76 yards a game, 4.3 yards a carry, only one touchdown. So I, I know that they expected more. Like we said at the beginning of the year, Andy Reid running backs have always been a home run, always in his entire career. Yeah. Brian. Wett, Westbrook, Deuce Staley, LaShawn McCoy, no matter who you put back there in that system, it's always been slam dunk, home run, top five fantasy type player every single year. And so far, CEH has not delivered. So, All right. Next, we have uh, an awesome – the game wasn't so awesome, but it was awesome to see Alex Smith make his return to the field uh, after his gruesome leg injury uh, a couple years back and a, a really grueling – uh, rehab process where he almost lost his leg. Uh, so to to see him and his and his family out there watching him, uh, truly touching scene. Uh, he did get his ass beat though. I was about to uh, say six sacks. Like welcome Aaron back, Donald. Buddy. You know, holy shit! Everybody, you know that first Aaron Donald sack. Uh, everybody holding their breath. Uh, you know, hoping he didn't die on his first play out there. So. No, definitely wasn't the well. Definitely not the situation he'd want to be in in his first game back. That offensive line has severe issues for the Washington football team, Johnny. Yeah, no, the Redskins need to do something about that O line. If you're going to put poor Alex Smith back in after two years without playing and let him get sacked six times, I mean, the poor guy's going to be like, "Why did I spend all this time rehabbing to come back to this?" I mean, he's just going to end up getting killed. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I, yeah, I'd, I'd walk, I, I'd walk away from the game oh, God, the so season good. before I took that, took that beating all year they long said with that this team. Kyle Allen should be back ready to go for next week. And Alex Smith is probably like, yeah, good. Cause I'm not doing that again. <laughs> well, it is important to note in this game. Um, I think Johnny, this was maybe one of the lines that you made up seven and a half. Was that the no, real line? I think that that was the real line. The final line was Rams minus seven, and we had seven and a half. So I think it was real. Okay. Well, they covered. <laughs> and and uh, your boy took him. So you're nice. welcome, buddy. You bet on the Washington football team? No. I. Oh, yeah. John did. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. We, yeah. That's what we, I'm saying. What, we, what, talk, okay. we talked about this. You don't bet on the football team. Yeah. You just don't do it. Can't do it. Won't do it. All right, next up we have the Battle of Pennsylvania. Uh, had another good uh, time at the bowling alley, even though I was on uh, Sober October, so I wasn't imbibing, but I had myself a couple sodas. Actually, I, <laughs> I, had, I had four uh, Pepsis like within the first hour of being there and almost had a heart attack. So. Yeah, you're going to get a kidney stone. You keep drinking that <laughs> shit like that. But anyways, that hurts uh, when you pee. <laughs> oh, it burns. we can, we can have burns. a segment on that if you want. Oh no, I think I think our listeners uh, would be happy to not be subjected to that. But well. uh, the Eagles falling twenty nine to thirty eight in Heinz Field. Chase Claypool having I was say, you haven't even hell, mentioned Chase Claypool yet. A hell of a game. Uh, four touchdowns for the rookie. Roethlisberger was finding him everywhere. Juju who? Hey, you know, whatever. It's, I, I like what, what's going on with the receiver core. Everybody you know what? is pulling in the same direction, and uh, everybody makes everyone else better. And I'm Nobody has been it. a bigger fan of Deontay Johnson than me, but I had a good week this past week, but it could have been a huge week if fucking Deontay Johnson doesn't just – just stays on the field for more than a play or two. Like, this guy is killing me. That's now twice in the past three games that this guy has burned me. Like, enough is enough. If you're going to suit up, stay on the field for at least a half of football. Like, this, <laughs> I nobody has been a bigger supporter of Deontay Johnson being the lead receiver for the Steelers than me. This guy. I have been all about Deontay Johnson. <laughs> and he is doing nothing but burning me. And I'm getting tired of it. So... I might be off the Deontay Deontay train until further notice. (laughs) I just can't do it anymore. I can't do it. He's costing me. He's costing me season-long wins. He's costing me big fan of DFS wins. Like, I need this guy to play. Okay, I'll be sure to get right, uh, you know, to DM him that so that he knows to stop being such a bitch on your behalf. Well, it is a... It is important to note that you had chosen the Eagles here. And and I and I picked Pittsburgh. I can't tell if that says minus or plus because I wrote both things. Steelers, Steelers were minus seven in this game. Yeah, so they uh, they covered. Holla at your boy. Hold on one sec. I'm trying. I'm looking back at our text from the draft. Why? <laughs> Chase Claypool. That's why. All right. April twenty fourth, eight twenty nine p.m. <laughs> Nesto, you'll enjoy Claypool. Indeed. Hey, look at me! Indeed. Look at me! 
That's You're success sure. right there. I'm gonna John That is a victory for me. Chalk one up for your boy. You could have been talking about Les Claypool from Allison and Chains. <laughs> Les Claypool's from Prime. No, it's right in the middle of all our draft talk here. <laughs> that did not land. Shit. Uh, yeah. Well, you named the wrong band. <laughs> Next, we have the Miami Dolphins uh, just beating the absolute shit out of the San Francisco Junior Varsity football team. 43 Garbage. to Put a fork in the San Francisco 49ers. They are done. Jimmy G is garbage. Wait, was that just a high ankle injury, or was that he's not good? Uh, I think that he is having a hell of a hard time with that injury, but I just don't see him getting back to any shape of Jimmy G form of last year. And I see, uh, you know, this team is not what they were last year. They're not got defense is not as good as it was last year. Offensive line is not as good as it was last year. This team has some serious issues to overcome. Yeah, they had a lot of injuries, especially defensively. They got torched by Ryan Fitzpatrick in this game, and the Fitz magic was in full effect in this one. Yeah. And on the flip side, like we said, Jimmy Garoppolo, he ends up getting benched in this game uh, for a couple brutal interceptions. He clearly was not feeling right, and he wasn't planting that that foot because of the high ankle sprain. So he ends up getting pulled for C.J. Beathard in this game. And it kind of goes back to what the problem was when he was with the Patriots back years ago is that Belichick questioned his toughness and his ability and his durability to push through injuries and to be able to stay on the field. Back when Brady was suspended and Jimmy Garoppolo was filling in, he ended up getting hurt with a shoulder injury. And he wasn't able to push through that, and Jacoby Brissett ended up having to start a game and play a game and a half, actually. And I, that's just always been like one of the big main red flags for Jimmy Garoppolo has been his durability and his ability to stay on the field and his consistency. And if you can't play hurt and if you can't play well hurt, then you're not going to be an elite quarterback in today's NFL. It's just the way it is. Like He learned from Tom Brady who there was no, there's nobody better than playing – hurt and playing well week to week and just playing through whatever shit he's dealing with. We don't even find out about Brady's shit until years after. So he learned from the best, but he clearly didn't learn enough because he's not, he's not proving to himself that he can stay on the field and it might cost him his job. And the 49ers can cut him come next off season yeah. and only have to pay him. It's either two or $3 million that will count against the cap and if the season continues to go south and Jimmy G is not playing well, then you can bet that the 49ers will just say, you know what, instead of paying him that big contract that we gave him, we'll just cut bait, give him 2 or $3 million, try to find ourselves a new quarterback. Maybe they go out and try to get Matt Ryan, who played in Shanahan's well, system in Atlanta or something like that. And maybe Jimmy G, maybe he finds his way back to Foxborough. Who knew? Who knows? But the – that's a good call, Johnny, because uh, a couple of shows are playing that scenario today, and Matt Ryan was mentioned quite a bit, quite often to go into oh, really? that system. Yeah, yeah, it's an option because, like I said, you, the best thing for a quarterback is to stay on the field and play mm -hmm. through injuries and play well. And if you can't do it, you know, a one-time thing is is fine. It happens. But when it keeps happening over and over and over again, your team can't depend on you. And if your team can't depend on you, then that's a problem. 
Absolutely. On the flip side for the Dolphins, I think that organization is happy right now because Fitzpatrick can pull games like the, out like this once every three, every yeah. other game, and they and they win seven. Franchise happy this year. You keep two on the rack. You want this kid to last like ten seasons for you at least. And I think they just roll as the Dolphins just roll with him uh, this year, and not have to put uh, two in, in place to to fail or, or you know take a lot of losses this year. All right, next up, uh, speaking of taking a lot of losses, Phillip Rivers and the Colts go into the Browns for a little palindrome score, losing 23-32. to 32. This was Browns, a fun game. Browns continue to do what they do, which is run the ball well and play action with Baker Mayfield and not let him be too costly as far as passing the ball too much and throwing interceptions and having and turnovers. Yeah, he still so. had two. And, and the defense and the defense is playing well, Miles Garrett and – they had a touchdown. Phillip Rivers is still bad at football, obviously, giving the ball to the other team. Um, I think the Browns the Browns are in a good place. I don't think they're in the, the top place, but they're in a good place. They're going to compete. They're going to – you got the game plan for this team, and they're going to they're gonna play you hard. And, uh, you know, we'll talk about it next week because uh, it's the battle again between Steelers and these guys. And that one guy that I know Nesto absolutely hates – is having a career year, and that's Garrett. He is playing well on that defensive line for the Browns right now. He is wreaking havoc for quarterbacks. And on the other side of the ball, um, you know, in the same realm as A.J. Green, where the fuck is T.Y. Hilton gone? Yeah, he went with – like I think we discussed that on the show last week. With he, he left with Andrew Luck a few years ago because he hasn't had a game over 87 yards receiving since Andrew Luck left. So something like some like his longest reception has been like thirty one yards, nothing far deep, far down the hill f- uh, field for him. Excuse me. Yeah, it's unfortunate. All right, sorry, Marty. We got to do it. Now's the time. Uh, we got to talk about the Giants' loss to the Cowboys. What started out as uh, a great evening for Dak Prescott and the Cowboys, uh, running a little bit of a Dallas-style Philly special. He goes down with just a tragic, gruesome leg injury. I was in the other room cooking, and Lindsay goes, oh, my God, someone just got hurt. I'm like, who is it? She goes, I think it's the quarterback. It's like, holy shit, what team? He goes, <laughs> the Cowboys. I go, holy shit, what happened? She goes, I don't know, but it's foot's facing the wrong way. <laughs> oh, God. Like, oh, my God, yeah. no. I was having a couple of pints at uh, Echo when that happened. Definitely gasp in the uh, in the bar area itself there when that happened. I just kind of wanted to fall to the ground, and it's not even about the Cowboys. It's for Dak Prescott. I just think he's an amazing human being who's gone through a lot, and he's been very open with his public about what he's been going through, whether the media hates it for him or likes him for what, he's, what he says openly. Uh, that's a whole other story, but... Uh, you know, we're talking about a, a contract a year, and this just allows the Cowboys to have all the cards back on their side. They're holding the deck, and uh, it's not going to play out well, in my not mind, for Dak. Not necessarily, though, because he's got all of the PR leverage here. I mean, I, I know, I know, but I. Cowboys, if they turn on him, I, I do not, think there will be a, another franchise tag next year. Uh, which would be almost thirty-seven million guaranteed, right? I'm not. I'm not hurt. I'm not hurt 
because of his money situation. His kid's going to get paid no matter what. Um, I just really hating how the Jones family has treated the situation since last year. The stringing this whole situation along, and now this happens. And then Jerry Jones being on the radio show, on the Dallas Cowboy radio show this morning, and talking about what's well, back to front office and contracts. I can't talk just about the player. I got to think about the future and how we divvy up the money. I'm like, fuck you. You know, just don't even go there and just talk about how much you respect him as a player and want the best for him. And on that line, fuck you, Tony Dungy, and, and fuck you, Booger McFarland, for the shit that flies out of your mouth as well, so quick and so soon. Hey, it's it a blessing be- in disguise. Yes. It's a blessing in disguise. Eat my fucking post-chili-eating asshole for saying those things. But, you know, it just, it just blows my mind. I think this kid is a great, along with Russell Wilson and a couple other premier players like Tom Brady, they are a good look, not only for your franchise, but for the league. So fucking back them up and invest in them. Yeah, and credit where credit's due to Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle for coming in in an emotional situation and being a uh, hardened uh, vet and leading the team to a hard-earned victory uh, there after the emotional departure of their captain and leader. Well, absolutely. I mean, he, he came in 9 for, nine for 11, 111 yards, mistake-free football, took, you know, took the team, the offense, by the reins and confidently let them down, and it could have gone the other direction. And this wasn't in Dallas's favor by any means. Giants, you know, putting the pressure on the Giants from the first touch. I mean, it was what twenty to ten or twenty to twenty-one to ten at one point. But they were looking like it was just going in the Giants' direction. And like, here we go again, and it's going to be another fourth quarter comeback. And then Dak goes down. I'm like, well, there goes the fourth quarter comeback. But Dalton took control, and he, they maintained the lead. And uh, maybe this is an emotional boost. All hands on deck. Blessing um, in disguise. Yeah, absolutely. Because I'm not against Dalton. I'm turning around. I just created my. I just. I just created my own Johnny Conundrum right there. Just going back on my word. Trying to be positive. I don't think they were trying to be positive when they said it. So fuck them still. I'm trying to be positive. I'm the. Fan it'll here. be. They said it'll be good for their de- their defense. It'll help the defense. There ain't and nothing helping that defense. <laughs> that defense, that defense sucks, bro. That defense is bad. I'm trying to think of a, a just a, you know a very intelligent metaphor, funny metaphor right now, but I have nothing. That team is just that defense sucks so hey, bad. But the division's worse. It is worse. But right now, I you know I'm, somebody's got to win that division. The Eagles scare me because they they have their stints, but that's you know whatever. This, this division is fucking gross. It's pathetic. <laughs> All right. Next up, we got the Vikings versus the Seahawks. The Vikings falling 26 to 27. Russell Wilson pulls out another late victory. How much longer does Mike Zimmer last with a call like that? I mean, if you don't, do, I mean, did you guys see that? That was unbelievable. The Seahawks win the game 27 to 26. But with just a little more than two minutes to go in the game, the Vikings. We're up by five points, and they're going in. And where were they? Like the the 10-yard line? And so they could have just kicked it. So they had fourth down, and it was on like the 10-yard line, two minutes to go, and they can just kick a field goal, and they'll be up by eight. 
and the Seahawks get the ball back, and they need to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion to tie the game, just to tie the game. But no, Zimmer, being the hard-o defensive coach that he is, says, no, we're going to go for it. We're going we're gonna to go for it and end the game right here. And, of course, they don't get it. So what do you think you happens know, you when know Russell, Russell Wilson, Wilson gets the ball back down five with two minutes to go? <laughs> Plenty of time. It was over. Like, as soon as you did that, like, I just don't understand how somebody could be a head coach in the NFL and make those kinds of decisions. That blows my mind. You needed they, – they would have needed to score – get into the end zone twice, right? A touchdown and a two-point conversion just to tie. Just to tie. But instead, you're like, nah, nah, let's scratch that idea. That's stupid. Let's just – let's let them go for the win with one tie in the end <laughs> You can only hope that you get within three yards of scoring, Johnny, and Pete Carroll calls four straight passing plays. It's just unreal. <laughs> it, it's, <laughs> So, I mean, Russell Wilson doing his thing at the end of the fourth quarter is basically as automatic a thing as there is in football right now. And maybe that maybe that intimidated Zimmer. I don't know. I don't know. I don't have an excuse for him. I don't know what the answer is. He has a hot Instagram uh, wife, model, girlfriend, apparently. <laughs> so good for him. Maybe he's distracted by that. Maybe he's distracted by Russell Wilson. I, I don't know. But clearly his game, his coaching isn't on point. <laughs> All right, next up we have uh, Air Bear continuing his tour of dueling the best quarterbacks in the league. Uh, and losing. And losing, but somehow coming out looking like the winner. Every exactly. time I see this guy play, I'm just like, holy shit, they really got something here. Uh, losing 27-30 to 30, uh, at the Saints. In OT. In OT, yes. And Drew Brees looked like absolute dog shit, throwing throwing the ball at guys' feet in the first half, throwing over guys' heads. I mean, short passes, too. He is, did not look good at all. It was to the point where it was – if you were following along on social media, it, people were calling for his benching. People were saying Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill should be in the game. But Brees eventually – It's a sad day when you're asking for Winston. It is. But, <laughs> you know, Brees, I guess when you're – Brees just needed to get warmed up, and he eventually did, and he was much better in the second half. And they, they were down big in this game. I think it was 20-3 to right before halftime going in. And the Saints end up coming back. And I think that the Chargers, this now that this is becoming a thing for them where they're getting big leads and they're blowing them, they've got to figure something out here because you're beating – you have the chance to beat good teams, and you can't be – blowing these types of games they have a good team they have a good defense they have a young quarterback who's playing well and i think it's got to be really discouraging for the team as a whole to see this and that they gotta they gotta figure something out and keenan allen went out with a back injury and mike williams made some phenomenal catches in this that game. one catch was absolutely filthy over flat on his back between three yeah. defenders he sick. does that i mean that's a mike that's mike williams going back to clemson that's that's his thing is acrobatic catches he when he's on the field and he's healthy he can do that kind of stuff but here's the other thing i'm concerned about with you got me saying a bear now because of the, hey, bear. bobby a bear from the old quarterback <laughs> yes. of the saints way back it's justin herbert is the quarterback okay so the thing with him is I think that a lot of teams didn't realize how strong of an arm this guy has. He has a cannon, and he he can pop the top off a defense and get the ball down the field. But I think 
it'll be interesting to see what happens when teams adjust and they start playing guys a little bit further back and they make him have to dial in on the short game a little bit more than he's had to going forward. So that's just one thing to look for, look, look at going forward as far as his game and taking it to the next level, I think. Being called a young Ben Roethlisberger, given his size and poise in the pocket, but with that cannon as well. But uh, I yeah. think he's built. I think he's built to last. That is a he's big more kid. athletic though, for wow. sure. Yes. Yeah. But uh, I think he's got a hell of a bright future ahead of him. Um, but yeah, it comes down to coaching and defense for this Chargers team. They, you know, like you said, John, they got plenty of offensive weapons to utilize. They are going to put the numbers up. But again, you got to be able to shut teams down. They are hanging with all of these elite teams. Uh, just give them time to, to mature a little bit. Yeah, and I don't think there's any like big hopes or dreams coming out of this. You're losing Rivers this year and, and playing and seeing what you got. But uh, you better start building and getting your your coaching and your players ready to and, and start preaching like we have a bright future. we got to take this within the next three to five years, and we could be really something. They're a young team, too. Johnny, we had the line at this game at the – Chargers minus eight, and they might have been plus eight, actually. Plus eight. Yeah. Uh, so we have them at plus eight, and I took the Chargers, and uh, I covered. So yep. thank you very much. Woot woot. And we also had the uh, New England game. Obviously, that got pushed. But our last game of the week uh, our Tuesday night football special, the Titans just absolutely dick-slapping uh, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills, 16-42. to 42. They looked truly terrible, and I had uh, Tennessee, minus three here. One of the best stiff, arm, one of the best yeah, stiff arms ever. For a play that didn't count. I don't give a damn. That counted. That's sitting in his mind after he did that to him. <laughs> He's living rent-free in that guy's mind for the next oh my two, God. three years at least. His name had to be said over a million times today, and not in a good way. Well, Johnny's going to shit on me, but here I go. Is I, I really think you have to take notice with this team and Titans right <laughs> now. Even though they tried to practice and they got in trouble for trying to practice, but you haven't practiced in... in Three times in such a very long time. So keep your team dialed in. Vrabel, I think, did a mastermind. I think this is, pays homage to the coaching of like somebody like Belichick, that Vrabel brings that Patriots system kind of style of coaching in, keeping his players dialed in, the players staying hungry. And coming back and playing, they only had one you know, offsides penalty the whole game. They were dialed in. This team was just ready to prove something, and they took it to, I'm not going to say a red-hot Bills team, because they still have a lot to prove, but they definitely look like a good Bills team, and they were just put in check early in this game. No, it's Marty, you're missing my point. The point is not about the Titans playing well. The Titans look fantastic, and it's not. It's just not about that. It's about the, the way that they're acting. It's about they're taking the victim approach. It's the NFL, and everybody is saying all this negative stuff about them and how it's their fault, and you know, and how they've had to fight through so much adversity and. You know, it's just us sticking up for each other. No, yeah. that's not it. Because what happened is the Titans, they are the ones that broke protocols. They are the team that was that are videotaped go walking through the locker room without masks. They are the ones who was holding practices when they were told not to. 
they were the ones breaking the rules. So I'm not going to have any sympathy for you when you're the ones breaking the rules. And they almost cost the NFL the entire season. The season They had to adjust eight teams' games. And the Steelers, for one team, lost their freaking bye week because of the Titans. So, no, you got me wrong. If the Titans were fantastic last night, I think they look great. And I think it says something about practices during the NFL season. Maybe we don't need them. I, I don't know. Maybe you don't need practice because if the Titans look that good, and they did, they look fantastic, and they beat a good Bills team, and I give them all the credit. I just don't want to hear that you are the victims in this case because you're not. Yeah. They, they are the that. ones that caused this. I, I get so. that. And you can also dial into the fact, too, early on in the season that they're getting that extra time to rest themselves, recovering from injuries, little nagging things that, that they're – you know, physically in better position to go into this game as well. Um, going back to like talking about players under Gacy and, and this player under, under Tannehill that's emerged. See, so I left out the R right there. I proved. Uh, yeah, but, but you also said Gacy, so whatever. Keep Gacy, motherfucker. <laughs> Say what I want. But anyway, like this is a kid who played under him in, in Miami and just seemed stifled and not the same kid I remember playing at Texas A&M. Now he's under Vrabel in this system, and he, he's, it's almost like a Baker Mayfield situation, but even better because he's not going to push it, but he can push it. He's, he's playing a lot smarter and collecting TDs. He's got the most rushing TDs for quarterbacks behind Mahomes and Wilson right now. So he's, he's getting outside. He's making plays. I think this team, you better take notice. I think they are 100% buying in that they can go all the way this year. Hey, the Bills had a massive contain problem last night. And granted, they had a lot of injuries. They were missing both their starting cornerbacks. They were missing a linebacker, Epinesa or whatever. But Tredavious White was out. But the, ed the edge was a serious problem for them all night long. They were losing contain over and over and over again. And that allowed Tannehill to get outside and do whatever he wanted. But yeah, yeah he did look good. The Titans looked good. I think the Bills are a good team. But there was still a lot of – the Bills – the Bills aren't elite yet. They're just not. They're still they're mistake prone. They make too many mistakes as far as penalties. I think they had 10 penalties in this game. And so between the turnovers and the penalties, and they're the team that had all the extra extra time to prepare for this game. So I think it says it says a lot about the Titans being a really good team. I think it says a lot of bad stuff about the Bills. And as far as right. maybe, they're, maybe they're not ready for prime time yet. Even though Josh Allen's look good, maybe they're not ready for primetime. I think this also in. stops the uh, premature Josh Allen MVP talk right in its tracks, which, right. will, yeah. which will be nice. Um, and also getting Brown back uh, on the receiving side for, for the Titans was huge. You can see that this week as well. Oh, my God, yeah. I cannot believe I, – I can't believe – just this is something in my mind. Nikhil Harry went in the first round – before DK Metcalf and AJ Brown. Yep. Just think about that. AJ Brown, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf all went well after Nikhil Harry went to the Patriots. That's just like, what? What's like, <laughs> why can Bill Belichick not pick out a good skill position player to save his life? Like, he sucks at it. Wow, rare, rare criticism of his lawyer. No, he's, al he's always shit on Belichick when it comes to the draft. Yeah, I, you know, I'm always going to call it like I see it. I'm a straight shooter. <laughs> All right, well, speaking of calling it like you see it, let's take a walk into week six here. Uh, take us through it, Johnny. 
Alrighty, let's move for move ahead, forge forward to week number six in the NFL. COVID is getting in the way of some of our games. Let's hope it doesn't get into too in the way of too many of these games coming up. Looking ahead just to the week in general, my thoughts going into the week is that I don't love this week personally. I think as a DFS player, this is a week I'm going to go lighter. It's a little bit scattered out. There's no Thursday game this week. There's only two 4 o'clock games. There's two Monday night games this week. It's a kind of a, an odd week, but let's get into it. Okay, we'll start off with the Broncos and the Patriots. The Broncos 1-3 and three at the Patriots, 2-2. Two and two. This game was supposed to be last week, but COVID pushed it back. Right now, the line is Patriots minus 9.5. Melvin Gordon got a DUI last night. Not sure oh if he's going to be playing. Not sure if he's going to play, so might see Philip Lindsay instead at starting running back for the Broncos. I do know that Vic Fangio is a little bit ticked off at the Patriots for being whiners for pushing this game back, but screw him. I am going to say the Patriots get Cam Newton and Stephon Gilmore back in this game, and they lay the pipe, and I'm going to go Patriots minus 9.5. I'll roll with that. All right. Next on the docket. Texans, Houston Texans, one and four at the Tennessee Titans. And the line on this game is currently Tennessee minus three and a half. That's interesting. I think after you watched last night's game, you would say bet a million dollars on Tennessee. So there's something fishy about that line immediately to me because I just don't understand why it's so low over a Texans team that is one and four. So, you know how I play. If I see something fishy like that, I'll go the other way. So, I'll be the one. I'll go I'll go Texans plus three and a half here. I'll go Titans. I'll give you, I'll give you six. <laughs> okay. No, I get it. I, I get it. I just – you know how I play. If I see something I weird, I'll go the other way. All right. So, I'm going to go Houston plus six. All right. Next up, we have Joe Burrow trying to bounce back. I love that his... we make our own lines here. It's just <laughs> lovely. Well, there's something weird is that, so that, that line. That, that line is weird, man. That that is an odd line, right? Would you expect after the Tennessee demolished the Bills last night against the one and four Texans at home in Nashville, that line yeah. should be at least seven, right? I mean, come Absolutely. on. Absolutely. All right, let's just move on though. Next game, we got Joe Burrow and the Bengals, one three and one at the Indianapolis Colts, who are three and two. In this game, we have Indy minus seven and a half. I'm gonna go with the. I don't know if the Borough Bengals are going to win, but I do think they're going to cover. So I'm going to go Cincinnati in this game, plus 7.5. Colts have some injuries, especially defensively. I don't know if Darius Leonard will be back. But even so, I think I think they cover the touchdown and a half. It'd say something if the Bengals could pull something out and at least made it competitive all the way to the end right here, bouncing back after the Baltimore game. All right. Next up, 0-5 Atlanta Falcons at 1-4 Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings are minus four in this game. Dalvin Cook is very questionable with an injury, and they have a bye week the next week, so we're probably going to get to see a lot of Alexander Madison this week, who is a stud in his own right. Uh, Running backs feast against Falcons, especially catching the wall over the years. So in this game, I... I'm going to go, this is the first game without Dan Quinn for the Falcons, too. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I can only imagine that's a good thing. So, uh, that makes this a tricky line. I'm going to go, no fans. I'm going to go Falcons plus four here. 
I was going to pick the Falcons, so I'll ride with you on that one. Okay. All right, next up, battle of the NFC East least. Washington Redskins, known as the football team, 1-4 at the New York football Giants, 0-5. Giants are minus 2.5 in this game. Like I said earlier, Kyle Allen expected to start for the football team in this game. I don't think it matters to me. I'm still going to go Giants minus 2.5 at MetLife Stadium. And I don't bet on the football team. Smart oh, man. God. God. Next up, Baltimore. The Ravens are 4-1. and one, Travel to Philadelphia to face the Eagles, who are 1-3-1. and one. The opening line on this one is the Ravens. Baltimore minus 7.5. In this game, I am going to go with the Eagles to hang tough. I'm going to take the Eagles plus 7.5. Ding. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> I'll take the other old bird. Yeah. All right, next on the docket, we go to uh, Pittsburgh. We have Cleveland, 4-1 at the Pittsburgh Steelers, 4-0. We have the Steelers, minus three in this game. For me, what the Steelers do, the Steelers, everything that the Browns do very well, the Steelers are good at stopping. And the other thing is the Steelers have always owned the Cleveland Browns over the years. For Especially me, this is a max play. Max play. Max, max play. Max, play. We play, are gonna play, play, play. we are gonna lay the house on the Pittsburgh Steelers minus three. I like it a lot. I don't dare bet against Johnny's max play. <laughs> Johnny, Johnny, um, how do we feel about TJ Watt going into this game? He, uh, he was, it seemed to be having some injury issues um, in the second half of the last game. Scary shit. Yeah. I, honestly, I mean, he's important to the team. I just, I just think that the Steelers have a mental edge on the Browns, and I think the Browns are going to have a tough time overcoming that in Heinz Field. And the Browns, what they do well is offensive line, running the ball, and I think that the Steelers are built to stop the run. And if they can force the Browns into passing the ball, then I think the Browns are going to be in big-time trouble. So and Steelers, Steelers won't get wrapped up in the drama because Tomlin said they don't matter about that low-hanging fruit. <laughs> and Tomlin's best way of talking. <laughs> but, you know, they're, they're, they're joking about it. they like, do you see a retaliation? And like, what, from Rudolph, who's going to be on the bench, not in the, even in the game? Like, Who's going to go after Garrett? Like, you just need to make sure you block Garrett. We're not going to go after Garrett. Dumb yeah, question. that could be an interesting, <laughs> interesting side story to this game, especially if it gets out of hand at some point. Well, I think the beauty of this is where no fans make that just seem like... Limited fans. Well, yeah, but, like, you imagine, you know... You know, sixty screaming. You know, sixty thousand screaming fans for his head would kind of gear things up a little bit more of a dramatic way. So uh, it takes the tone down quite a notch, so it doesn't play into that favor of something stupid happening. Uh, next on the docket, we go to Carolina. We have the Chicago Bears four and one at the Carolina Panthers three and two. This is a surprising uh, potential game of the week. We have Carolina minus one and a half, and I think an early season. Contender for fraud of the year is the 4-1 Chicago Bears. I think that they are skating by with something that's not real. And I'm going to go with the Panthers to stay hot in this game. I'm going to go Panthers minus one and a half. Can't go against that. Yeah, you want to go against All right. Well, that's, I the mean, one, that, 
Nesta wants to take the Bears. Now you had good picks this last week, too. I can, I can bring you <laughs> to the fold. Takes two to beat Johnny. <laughs> sounds, like a, sounds like a bad porno. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. All right, so we'll take the Bears. <laughs> All right, Bears it is. Rawr. All right, next up, we're going to go to Jacksonville with the Jaguars. The Detroit Lions are one and three. The Jaguars are one and four. The Lions are minus three and a half point favorites in this game. This is one of those games where it's like you're surprised by whoever's favored because both teams stink. But since the Jaguars have seemed to have found their rhythm in losing and they found their they know how to do it and they figured it out, I'm going to go with the Lions minus three and a half. Can you explain to me why Matt Patricia hasn't been fired yet? I think if he loses this week, I think he's right, he'll be might be next. Right? You go down to Jacksonville and lose there. That's that that's not gonna you might not be on the flight home. <laughs> leave you on the tarmac. Yep. Might leave you in Jacksonville. Worse than getting fired. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up we have the New York Jets 0 and 5 at the Miami Dolphins 2 and 3. The she's the no spread is big enough for the Jets to hold to contain. It's insane. The Miami is minus nine and a half. The Dolphins minus nine and a half against the Jets. And guess what? I'm gonna take the Dolphins. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I ain't betting on no Jets ever. Right? Why? Why? Why would you? They don't even. Yeah. They, they don't even try. All right. Moving on. To the next game at 4 o'clock. We have probably the game of the week right here. Green Bay Packers 4-0 at the Tom Brady Buccaneers 3-2. Buccaneers are minus one. Smart money's on the Packers here, right? Smart money's on the Packers easily because the Buccaneers are a dumb team. But I'm a Tom Brady guy, so I'm going to go with my heart and the dumb money. And I'll let you guys go with the smart money. So I'm going to go with my heart. I'm going to go to the Buccaneers minus one. Go ahead, guys. Take the smart one. Yes. <laughs> I just picture us like the. Have you ever the seen two the two cats eating the, the cats? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, go for it. I'm giving it to you. That's oh, an easy one. Right? The Packers should win that game. The Buccaneers guess- are so, so stupid. They really are. I think Aaron Rodgers can. It's, it's, it could be a really good game back and forth, but the Buccaneers will do something stupid at the end to cost themselves a game. Yeah. They're going to they're gonna take a couple of like. Third down and two situations put themselves back like fourth and twelve. Right, and Mike Evans, Mike Evans will get himself thrown out of the game early on or something. It, it, you know, it's just something stupid happens in all those Bucks games. Anyway, I digress. Moving on to California, we had the Rams four and one at San Francisco 49ers, two and three. Not quite sure who the quarterback is going to be for the Niners. I think I heard something about Jimmy G playing next week today. But I'm not quite sure. I, that may have not been real. I don't know. It's going to anyway, be Mullins. The line, if it is Mullins, then I would like the Niners. Because I actually like Mullins. But right now we have the Rams minus two and a half in this game. Uh, with the state of the Niners, which is not good, obviously, getting torched by the Dolphins at home. Uh, Garoppolo not playing well. C.J. Beathard is not a good quarterback at the least. If Mullins plays, then I might have some doubts. But... With what we know right now, I'm going the Rams pretty heavily. I like the Rams minus two and a half in this game. A lot. I agree. 
All right, next on the docket, we go to Sunday night. No, Monday night football. We have two Monday night football games coming up next week. This is a good one. We have Kansas City Chiefs, 4-1, coming off their first loss. At the Buffalo Bills, 4-1, also coming off their first loss. And in this game, KC is minus four in this game. And I am going KC minus four. Pretty easy for me here. I just think that Kansas City was they're not. Gonna lose, they're not going to lose two in a row. They're no, and they were not at their best, uh, clearly, against the Raiders. So I think that they'll come in with a renewed focus in this game. And I just think that they are much more talent. I think they're more talented than, than the, the Bills. I think the Bills maybe hang in there for a little while, but I think the Chiefs win this game by a touchdown, maybe two at the in the end. All right. All right, and finally, we have second Monday night game. Arizona Cardinals 3 and 2 minus Chandler Jones, unfortunately, at the Dallas Cowboys 2 and 3 without a defense and without Dak Prescott. And in this game, Arizona goes into Dallas as a minus two-point favorite in this game. That is surprising to me. I am going to go with the, uh, how do we say it, uh, blessing in disguise. I'm going to go with the blessing in disguise Cowboys plus two at home. And I'll take my last pick with the Cardinals. Wow. No red rifle, huh? Murray. In the outside the pocket where Cowboys have not contained at all this season. It's just going to be a nightmare. But the Cardinals, I, have been, they've been disappointing to me offensively because Kingsbury and Murray and this offense were supposed to be getting the ball down the field, and they're just not doing yeah. that. They're so close to the line of scrimmage and everything they do. Like So at Hopkins' average depth of target is so short this year. Everything they do is, like, horizontal. They don't get vertical. And it's really – as someone who was excited for the Cardinals coming into the year, I was, I'm was i a little disappointed that they're not stretching the field. They're just a horizontal team. And if you're not – you're not going to maximize your offense horizontally. I think we all know that. Even, like, the greatest show on turf and the best offensive teams in history – that what we know is that to maximize potential and score the most points, you need to stretch the field and get vertical. And I, I don't yeah. understand this. And if they continue to do that in this game, the Cowboys have a chance, and the Red Rifle has a chance to prove that he's not just the Cincinnati Bengals Red Rifle. Maybe he can be something of a something of a surprise for the Cowboys. Do you think they believe in Murray can go down down for? I mean, downfield. Do you think they think he's got the capability to do that consistently? They believe in that aspect, yes. They just really focus on where his talents are at right now, which is passing in the flat and running outside the pocket. Yeah, I, I think – and they have you know, like guys like Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella on that team. You know, Hopkins doesn't need to be the guy that goes deep, but they have, like, they have Kirk and Isabella. You can push it down the field. Yeah. Just, I, don't, I don't know what they're afraid of or what their fear is, but hopefully we start seeing it sooner rather than later. Uh, maybe I really the happens. Cowboys surprise me than disappoint me, so that's why I'm right. playing it. Maybe it happens this week against the Cowboys because, like you know, everyone has torched the Cowboys this year badly. Everyone, except it's... Jason Jason Garrett and the Giants, they were not able to torch the Cowboys too badly last weekend, but every other team was able to. Right. Well, it's proven if you get outside the pocket and can buy yourself time, those defensive backs cannot see the receivers just ad-libbing in the in – the, out in the field, so I think it's just going to hurt us. Okay. All right, so we got four teams on a bye this week so far, COVID pending. 
obviously. Right now, the Las Vegas Raiders, 3-2. Chargers, 1-4. Saints, 3-2. Seattle, 5-0. and oh. So we have some pretty good teams on a bye this week. Hey, Herbert um, can't lose this week. All right, that's right. And that's it. That is week six as of Wednesday. All right. Well, you heard it here first, and you can get at uh, all of us on Facebook at Green Mountain Sports. Uh, and you can get at Johnny on Twitter at Green Mountain Grinder, Green MT Grinder. And yeah, that's going to do it for this week. Gentlemen, good show. Thanks to everyone listening. Make sure to like, subscribe, share, tell your friends, comment on our stuff. Uh, we post a bunch of funny shit on the internet. So uh, come check it out. Bye, guys. Have a great week, everyone. Stay COVID free. <laughs> Wear your mask, goddammit. Our hearts go out to the Titans. Thank you.